When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, all right. It's Tuesday, so we're going to rank something today. So what have we got in store for you today? Right. Arsenal had a lot of French footballers, didn't they, in the 90s? This may be a bit of a passe joke, but we're going to be ranking 25 of the best Arsenal footballers of all time in the Premier League. No, we're going to be ranking 25 of the best Frenchmen in the footballers of all time. Not just Arsenal players, we've got a glut of people from Newcastle, Everton, Man City, all of them. Some Man United players in there as well, so stick around. These are the 25 best French footballers of all time in the Premier League on episode 44 of Ranked. Forgive the haphazard introduction. We're also on patreon.com forward slash what if football if you enjoy podcasts like these. Over there five days a week with nostalgic podcasts, contemporary podcasts, all of the football variety of course. And our niche is alternate football realities there on YouTube and we do have a mailbag of all your quick fire suggestions for alternate football realities made a reality every Thursday in a mailbag over there on Patreon of course here on the Sports Social Podcast Network we're here three days a week as always ranked not as nostalgia podcast and the Barclays so let's start your week off right here on the Sports Social Podcast Network ranked so we're looking at the 25 best French footballs of all time we know all the the heavy hitters don't we of the French imports into English football but we start at number 25 Moussa Sissoko a player still in the Premier League and at the time of recording at least has 264 appearances 14 goals now I'm not expecting him to hit the 100 club right, between the time of recording and the time of um, the release of this approximately two weeks he's not going to score that many goals is he now part of Watford's team of course and a player to be fair to him maybe um unfairly I was never quite sure of him really formerly of Newcastle and Spurs of course he could play on the right could quite easily play on the right he's an energetic box-to-box midfielder though um probably more renowned for his central midfield work at Spurs I always found him to be patchy and streaky but there's no doubt he does have a 
quality to him in terms of him five years ago in current football would be fantastic in, in a game that's really become about transitions rather than the possession heavy game which he inherited when he became a Newcastle player or rather a Premier League footballer back in the uh, the early days of the 2010s football has um, moved on to the to the transition now and he is he at his peak would have been superb in this um, modern day tactical shift that we are seeing number 24 Emmanuel Petit 140 appearances 11 goals now he's not going to add to those he has retired retired a long time ago over two decades almost two decades ago would you believe now his goal count is surprisingly low to me I always thought he was quite a um, quite a creative attacking midfielder course 11 goals in the Premier League probably had his peak during his um, Arsenal time between 97 and 2000 made his debut of course for the double winning season of Arsene Wenger in the 97-98 team probably around this time though you got to say with France at the peak of their powers maybe had his best form for the international team as opposed to Arsenal also obviously Arsenal were very very good but they came up against an insanely great Manchester United team around this time and probably Petit would have won more in any other any other realm because Arsenal were very good around this time. A brief time he spent at Chelsea, obviously in between Chelsea and Arsenal, he played for Barcelona alongside um, former Arsenal teammate Marco Hamas, of course. A brief time, Chelsea wasn't too, too bad really, um, but um, at Arsenal he was a very, very good midfielder. Number 23, Sylvain Distan. 469 appearances, seven goals, and he is, surprisingly, or surprisingly not, I don't know, the most tenured French player in Premier League history. Of course, he's gone from Newcastle to Manchester City to Portsmouth to Everton and to Bournemouth, of course. Now, we all remember, or the layman would remember, his middle three clubs, partnership with Richard Dunn. In um, at Manchester City before the money came in, of course, great memories of that, and of course he was always had a fantastic player alongside him. Saul Campbell was that man at Portsmouth, won the FA Cup with him in two thousand and eight, of course, in that um, skin tight shirt with all the patches on the shoulders, it was fantastic. Um, he almost broke broke his um, City appearance record at Everton, four less appearances at Goodison Park, at least in the league, on 174 and then he would end his career at Bournemouth with 12 appearances and for me, a solid defender, a, a, a player that could easily fit in a best of the rest team in the mid-2000s, early 2010s for you, like we say, Man City, Portsmouth and Everton, around the time Distan was playing for them, all of those teams were top half. Or roughly, there or thereabouts. When, when, when he was at City, they were. He left when they were getting sort of going downhill before they got taken over. When he was at Portsmouth, Portsmouth had resurged from the relegation scraps to winning the FA Cup, getting to another final in 2010, and Everton were always there or thereabouts, weren't they? When he was at Bournemouth, when he wound down his career, he was. Uh, Bournemouth were. That was the peak of their powers almost. That was when they were mid table, obviously, since they've been relegated, but uh, they were going absolutely. Rock at the back for pretty much all of his clubs that he's been at. Number 22, Bakary Sagna. 267 appearances, four goals. And an unremarkable, but a very, very solid right back, let's be honest. Not very flashy, not an attacking fullback by today's metrics, of course, as we know. One of the last of a defensive fullback for the big teams, it feels. Obviously, you still get Aaron Wambisaka to an extent, but most of the huge teams in the Premier League now play with exceedingly attacking fullback. Sagna 
could get forward. You know, his main main um, main quality though was his defensive work. And to me, it seems quite bizarre that he was under Pep Guardiola management. He did leave Man City in twenty seventeen. He saw the entire trophyless spell at Arsenal before he finally signed off with an FA Cup in 2014 and then joined the dark side with the likes of Gail Clichy, Emmanuel Adebayor, etc, etc, etc. Colotori as well, um, who went through the, the well-trodden path from Man City, from Arsenal to Man City. But um, a fantastic, fantastic right back and 267 appearances. Fantastic, um, fantastic turnout. Number 21, Steed Malbronk, 336 appearances, 39 goals, an insane return. A lovely, nifty playmaker of his time. I love watching him back in the day. He deserved more time at the top, arguably. He probably had his peak, um, well, peak performances at Fulham. He just fit in that role, either on the left or on the right. He could play anyway. Perhaps if he might have stayed there, obviously would have played in the, in the Europa League final at the end, but instead he went to Tottenham. To be fair, Tottenham at that time were above Fulham and still are, obviously. And um, But he didn't really get into the full swing of things there. Only stayed there for two years and returned back to mid-table with Sunderland. Sunderland arguably a level below Sunderland in his early Premier League days. But I think those five or six years he spent at, at Fulham were when Mal Bronk was properly in his pomp and incredible player. Love watching him play. Number 20, Gail Clichy, 325 appearances, three goals. And should I cut and paste from the Bakary Sagna section of my notes here? Um, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not lazy. Clichy grew up in England, unlike um, Sagna. came to England very, very young. 2003 is when he signed for Arsenal, which is ridiculous, really. But I think he'd have been about 18, 19. Um, played in behind, obviously, Ashley Cole. And then Ashley Cole left. Clichy took the reins on as the, as the first choice left back for Arsenal. And um, of course, as we know, as I said previously, treaded that same Arsenal to City path, but did appear in um, City's earlier successes. Unlike Sagna, Clichy left back was um, there for the for the league title win. He was a much more adventurous fullback than Sagna as well. And to be fair, three hundred twenty-five appearances, not to be sniffed at. I can't remember any of his three goals. Should have been probably a bit more memorable though. Um, potentially, probably. Back in the day for Arsenal, I, I assume there. Number 19, Samia Nasri, 220 appearances for the Frenchman there. And another Arsenal player, <laughs> another Arsenal player who had to make the jump to Manchester City to keep his momentum going. Nasri was a great winger. I think he was a lovely playmaker out wide from memory. Scott in his debut for Arsenal against um, against West Brom. I think that was the first ever game in that season. I'm not entirely sure. Um, he had a bit of a forgettable five games against West Ham, but did obviously when he went to Man City, got that success, won the Premier League title and something that Arsenal couldn't give those types of players. When Man City were ascending to, when they'd surpassed the likes of Everton, Aston Villa, Tottenham to an extent, they then then poached from those above again, Arsenal and then, sort of pushed all those players and pulled Arsenal back down and then won the league and that's that's Manchester City's transfer strategy if you wanted to know <laughs> for the first five years. Nasri obviously a slightly controversial figure uh, towards the end of his time in the Premier League um, made news um, recently for his um, shape in a charity game which is just ridiculous from the media there just let him enjoy his post-retirement man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Number 18, Lauren Koscielny, 250. A lot of Arsenal players, although I did make that joke, there is a lot of Arsenal players in this. Number 18, Lauren Koscielny, 255 appearances, 22 goals. And for me, at least, the right player at the wrong time for Arsenal. 
potentially. He fumbled the League Cup final famously in 2011, allowing Obafemi Martins in. Uh, that's unfortunately stuck with him for a little bit, but I think by the time Arsenal won the FA Cup in 2014, he was the man at the back and Arsenal have missed. It's probably the closest thing they've had to one of those quote-unquote characters that Arsenal have supposedly needed in the last 15 years since they've not won a league title or anything. Huge like that. Um, he was almost an ever-present for his near decade at the club. A fantastic player. Probably the most probably the most solid player that Arsenal had in a post-Invincibles world that you can probably categorise this era that we're living in now. Potentially moving away from that with Wenger leaving, but um, yeah. I think he deserved to play alongside a Tony Adams or a Saul Campbell and to be in that success. Unfortunately, those great work like those other two lads um, won't be seen as good as others in happier times at the Emirates stroke Highbury. Um, winning just the three FA Cups, just the three FA Cups. Number 17, not an Arsenal player or former Arsenal player, Florian Malouda, 149 appearances, 35 goals. And that appearance tally is shockingly low. I'd seem to think he played well over 200 games, close to 300. A season he excelled in, the season he was probably in his pomp, was the 2009-10 season. Obviously, it coincided with a double-winning year for Chelsea, played the majority of his games there. And under the Villas-Boas Di Matteo times, the 2011-12 season as well, the, the 2010-11 season, um, he was fantastic. He scored 13 goals and played every game in the Premier League in 2010-11. In a season where Chelsea weren't all that successful, but Malouda was in his peak there. He scored 25 goals over those two seasons and then... Uh, Three goals in 42 games the season after probably just isn't good enough. Um, sharp decline um, from his pomp, as I say. And to be fair, Maluda at that time was probably near unplayable to an extent in that double winning team. He complemented Jogber and Elker up top very, very, very well. Number 16, Mikael Silvestre back into the Arsenal players, although probably more well known for his time at Manchester United. 275 appearances, nine goals. I remember a couple of them coming against Leeds United, so very well, very welcomed by United there. And as a United fan myself, I was I was never truly sold on him. Obviously, this was coming off the back of he's coming at left back to um, ostensibly replace Dennis Irwin, and almost a player that he cannot replace to an extent. And it needed a couple of years before um, Gabriel Henser as well came in. Patrice Evra then would take on that mantle of Dennis Irwin. But amongst Ferdinand's ban and not really a truly great defence, Lauren Blanc had a bit in there when he post treble um, and before 2008, Sylvester was there. Him and John O'Shea there during the dark times and Gabriel Heinze to an extent. Um, a solid enough defender, just never that one that's going to, he could probably carry him in a, that sounds like a bad player. You could probably have him in a team, in a Premier League winning team and win a couple of Premier Leagues on the bounce because he was a fairly adept at getting forward. He's a good enough defender. It just when you get to the huge games, the European semi-finals, the quarterfinals, I think you just needed something a bit more, a bit more like Patrice Ever, like Dennis Irwin. And unfortunately, it's, it's, it's harsh on Mikel Silvestre, I think, because coming in between two of the, two of the greatest left-backs Man United have had, and that's a, a fact my opinion is a fact <laughs> as is the current way and um he does get a bit of a flack from me really as i've expressed in this last minute also he did go on to arsenal as well where he didn't spend as much time but uh, we'll probably remembered by man united fans quite fondly in sort of 
shepherding the defence through a bit of a dark spell, especially during the, the last stage of the 2003-04 season when Rio Ferdinand was gone. And he was probably their most experienced defender at the, in the middle, at least, with Gary Neville to his, to his right. Number 15, another Man United player. Moving on to the Manchester United section now, apparently. Paul Pogba, 144 appearances, 28 goals. And I must stress, this is at the time of recording. And if you're Graham Souness, he probably won't be on this list. Um, and that's that obligatory joke out of the way. You have to say, though, that he, he probably has underachieved at United. Not to say that he's not a bad player, but because so much is expected of him, he almost has to score every game, assist in every game, do one of those crazy passes that someone would on Twitter say, if that was Kevin De Bruyne, he has to do one of those or a number of those every game to say he lived up to the ex- expectations. And I think his expectations has have grown to a stupid amount they've blown over to a ridiculous amount but for me Paul Pogba if you put him in a team as a flair player as you know one of them flashy players in 2008 maybe even 99 really for his ability he'd fit in that team he'd fit in that and unfortunately he's at a club now a club that's at a low ebb in its history put him in the 2008 team I think he stars for them he's still in the Champions League for me maybe I'll do that series <laughs> series soon on YouTube, but I think he's he's still got a lot more to give. Whether or not he um, does that at United, obviously contract winding down now, but he deserves to be in this list. As does number fourteen, still in the Man United section, Louis Saha, two hundred eighty nine appearances, ninety four goals, and shockingly not in the uh, not in the hundred club. And I thought he would be absolutely superb for Fulham, and to the point that he earned a January move to United. And that, I think that's a good marker for how good a player he was. That Manchester United went out of their way in the January market, not often utilised by Sir Alex Ferguson um, to sign him. That's how much either Man United needed him and shows his true quality really when United were pushing to regain the Premier League to, to go far in Europe again. He only really used the January transfer market to sign players that would become greats for United. Patrice Evra, Nemanja Vidic, and Louis Sahara, I think, would have got to that point. But unfortunately, by the time the Champions League and League Double comes around in 2008, his injuries put a bit of a damper on his time there. You have Ruud van Nistelrooy. He would leave. You get Wayne Rooney and Cristiano Ronaldo coming through, though, that would um, fill that void left behind by Ruud and Sahar's injuries, of course. And of course, he played for Everton, played for Tottenham as well. He scored one of the quickest goals in FA Cup final history, let's not forget, in 2009 for Everton against Chelsea as well and probably a player as I say should be in the 100 club unfortunately isn't um, deserves it for his longevity and would have been without a shadow of a doubt if his um, injuries would have held up a little bit number 13 back to the Arsenal lads Olivier Giroud 255 appearances 90 goals and another player for me who might have broken the 100 club but still time if he comes back comes back for like a Southampton or something scorer of great goals and a great goal scorer which is very very rare for um for a centre forward really you got the scorpion kick everyone knows that and you um he had a great career at Arsenal and then to be fair Chelsea as well I mean in lean periods for both clubs really I know Chelsea won the Champions League it's the last game he didn't get on the pitch and it was obviously the subs bench now you can have 12 or so subs can't you on the, the Champions League finals but he was in that squad he he scored he, he scored six goals in that campaign so he deserves to say I'm a Champions League winner because he got six goals in eight games in that Champions League campaign for Chelsea. I think that was probably around the time where Frank Lampard was in charge, but regardless, it doesn't matter. Fantastic for Arsenal. Also had to take over 
the mantle of players like Alexis Sanchez, Rob, Robert, Robert, Robin Van Persie, at these types of players that are hard to succeed. And Olivier Giroud, I think, did it to an extent. I think, um, obviously, comes into the club at a lean spell for Arsenal. Wins a few FA Cups, goes to Chelsea, wins, wins the... Uh, wins the Europa League, obviously against Arsenal and wins the Champions League. So very, very storied career in England. And like I say, deserves to be in the 100 club. Number 12, Marcel Desailly. 158 appearances, just the six goals, obviously centre half here. Was it the was it towards the back nine of his career, really? In his latter, careers when he, latter years when he came, obviously he had the success of Marseille in the Champions League, Milan in the Champions League. Didn't look out of place for Chelsea in the pre-money arena, really. Unfortunately, came after they won all them cups in 97, 98. Came coming to the club after winning the World Cup. But for his time, I, me growing up around this time, he came into into English football at the same time I did from a viewing standpoint. And I always thought, I always put him on a pedestal as one of the better centre-halves of his time, really. Definitely alongside like a Saul Campbell, so to speak, like a really solid centre-half, like a Tony Adams almost, maybe not with the longevity, but ability-wise at this time. I thought Marcel Desai did a very, very good job and obviously left when uh, Jose Mourinho comes in at 2004 and retires there and um, probably shepherded, shepherded Chelsea through that sort of, between the cup winning teams of the late 90s, the Zola team, to the Mourinho team in the uh, mid-2000s. And another Chelsea lad, number 11, Claude Makélélé, number 11. He has 144 appearances, two goals, and obviously synonymous now with the Makélélé role. And like Desailly, came towards the end of his career to the Premier League and to Chelsea. But unlike Desailly, and I think fortunately they did cross over a little bit. I think Makélélé comes in in 2003. He arrives at a Chelsea club, really coming into his own in sort of like the second or third season when they win the Premier League back to back. Won almost a lot with Chelsea left to return home to PSG in 2008 after the um, after the Champions League final. And I think Makaleli is really, should be credited for making defensive midfielders cool and worthy of praise, at least in England at least. I think we're a bit far behind the times in terms of um, praising everybody on a football pitch. We're only just, we're only just getting round to fullbacks, for example, now, aren't we? Who's next? I think we we can praise everyone now, can't we? Goalkeepers may be the next one where we're fully on board with them, but Makalele back in 2003, nobody really wanted to know a defensive midfielder. Obviously, Kante takes that onto another level. We'll uh, discuss him, obviously, and we'll discuss him after the break alongside the other top 10 candidates for the best French Premier League footballer of all time. Stick around. Welcome back. We're, we're ranking the 25 greatest Frenchmen to play in the Premier League. So we've uh, whittled it down to the top 10 here. And number 10, David Ginola. 195 appearances, 22 goals. Won the PFA Player of the Year, of course, in 1999. Maybe a bit controversial for that. I mean, if I was a PFA, I would have probably picked a Manchester United player since they won the treble. But there, where we are, I'm probably biased about that. Ginola, of course, part of the League Cup winning team with Spurs that year. So with the award dished out in April, you kind of, and with the with um, the FA Cup and the Premier League, not obvious to who was going to win that. I kind of get it from that standpoint. It's got a fantastic goal against Barnsley in the Cup, full of great moments like that. A, a winger really that um, dribbled very, very well. One of the best dribblers I can remember really from this time 
burst onto the scene in these aisles, at least with Newcastle and in these two superb seasons where they pushed Man United all the way to the league title, almost, but not quite um, there. And uh, known for his body to an extent, showed it off for Villa when he was doubted by manager John Gregory. He's got a fantastic goal and then just pulled his bicep out. Kind of looks like my body a little bit. <laughs> and then he ended his career at Everton, really, in a forgettable manner. But he will, uh, for me, he'll always be remembered for Spurs, probably if you're a bit older, Newcastle, most definitely. Um, providing Les Ferdinand and Alan Shearer with goals. Fantastic um, team they had around that time. And Gilla was definitely a part of it. And um, really overcome like early doubts really in the Premier League and became one of the one of the more recognisable Premier League footballers of his time really for me in the late nineties, early two thousands, he was absolutely everywhere. Number nine, Nikola Anelka. Three hundred and sixty four appearances, one hundred and twenty five goals. So that makes him one of two Frenchman to be in the 100 club, of course. You all know the other one. He's coming much later. Le Sulk is the second best goal scorer in the Premier League from a French standpoint. Burst onto the scene as a youngster, quite literally. But that doesn't make any sense. With Arsenal and Arsene Wenger, they spun a huge profit when uh, 500 grand became 30 million in two years. He did return to these shores for a wee loan spell with, um, with Liverpool for a little bit and then uh, really got he did move around a bit and that's the mark of his career really he went to teams like Man City offering a bit of a project because they'd come up and they'd uh, come up for the second time in three years and uh, were gunning for Europe and Nicholas and Elka really got them into the top half and was absolutely superb in those years and then he took on Bolton another team like a bit like City really wanting to get into the top they were in the top half they wanted to go that extra step and he was absolutely prolific for um, Bolton, I remember being, I remember ridiculously feeling sad that he moved to Chelsea from Bolton because I thought at Bolton he really had some there and it may be because I'm a Man United fan, I didn't want him to move to Chelsea because United were Chelsea's probably main title rivals at that point. Uh, but I remember thinking, oh, if, you could, if you'd have stayed at Bolton, that'd have been fantastic and get them into the maybe Champions League. They were in, they were around um, the UEFA Cup at this point, so this isn't, this isn't the Bolton of now, obviously. But it starts to Chelsea a bit rocky, missed the penalty shootout, penalty against Man United in Champions League. So a bit happier that he uh, signed for Chelsea then, obviously. But then rebounds in 2009-10. Absolutely superb season with Didier Drogba. Obviously coming off the golden boot win in 2009, pipped Cristiano Ronaldo to that as well. So you can't forget that as well. Of course, it did end in ignominy with um, West Bromwich Albion, another controversial figure on and off the pitch. But if you want a better take on his life, go and watch his um, go and watch the documentary. I think he's uh, released on Netflix. Go check that out. It's a fantastic uh, documentary there. Number eight, William Gallas, sticking with the Arsenal-Chelsea dual theme here. 321 appearances, 30 goals. Could play fullback, could play centre-back, could score goals as well. Scored a screamer or two for Chelsea in that lovely little golden blue kit that they had. Um, the Arsenal to Spurs transfer doesn't really get discussed about, really. Not in the same vein as Sol Campbell. That's probably because Gallas was probably towards the end of his career. I've got very vivid memories of the Arsenal game against Birmingham where he uh, he just goes crazy and obviously they lose the, the, well, it feels like a loss, but they draw the game in the end and obviously a very highly emotional game, the Eduardo leg break game that and it really turned the tide for, for Arsenal in that season, sort of took them on the path to not win the league and that was probably the turning point for Arsenal really becoming from the Invincibles team to 
what we saw in the last sort of decade, really, for Wenger. And unfortunately, Gallus was part of that. He was part of the swap deal, of course. Unfortunately, that took Ashley Cole to Chelsea, took them on to greater things. Meanwhile, Gallus, he does have two league titles for the first two Mourinho seasons, and he did play a huge part in that, mainly from left-back and covering for Ricardo Cavallo and John Terry. And um, definitely one of the best um, defenders of his time, we've got to say. But unfortunately, that swap deal really sort of stunted his career, his latter-day career in the end, really. Number seven, Hugo Lloris, our only goalkeeper on this list. 305 appearances, one of the more prominent goalkeepers for me in world football, if not the Premier League. Deserved a title for me, or a trophy of any note at Spurs, to be honest. He was um, fallen short on a, on a number of occasions, really. And he's approaching a decade at the club. Um, will be a decade next year, in fact. And he only really missed time um, between the sticks when he dislocated his elbow a couple of years ago against Brighton, which is horrific. He was a superb shot stopper, an elite goalkeeper, now unfortunately coming to the end. And that spell when Spurs had a fantastic team, 2015, 2016, 2017, that sort of team. Lloris was at his best and probably earned Spurs a lot of points in that spell. Uh, Lloris, one of my, from a neutral standpoint, one of my favourite goalkeepers of the last 10, 15 years. Number six, Robert Pires, 198 appearances, 62 goals, another Frenchman with two Premier League titles, of course, part of the double winning team in 2002, and of course, an invincible in 2004. Probably his most famous goal, the uh, lob against Aston Villa, which uh, produced a clap from... Uh, Andy Gray in the uh, commentary box, which is now iconic, um, did play nine times for Villa, did you know? But obviously quite forgettable towards the end of his time there. Quite memorable for that penalty against Manchester City, which the, him and Thierry Henry fluffed the lines a bit. Danny Mills got quite annoyed at that, didn't he? Uh, but on his day, on his day, one of the better wingers playing for a top, top team. That midfield, incredible midfield. Gilberto Silva, a man we'll talk about in a minute in the middle of midfield as well. Freddie Lundberg, Robert Perez, one of the all-time greatest midfield fours. When midfield fours were still in vogue, that was one of the better ones. And Robert Perez definitely played his part. Absolutely prolific for a, for a, for left for a left side of midfielder, not wingers really, kind of, but a left side of midfielder, quite, very prolific for his day. When um, this is a world not of inside forwards and all this um, sort of wide round daughters or whatever you want to call them, Robert Perez was fantastic in front of goal. Number five, Patrice Evra, said we'd talk about him. 278 appearances, eight goals, famously ended his career at West Ham with five appearances in 2018. But obviously, of course, we all know him from his near decade at Manchester United. As I said earlier, one of the club's best left backs ever. One of the best left backs in Premier League history for me. Up there, probably in the best three or four, five, definitely in the top five. Won five Premier League titles, 2007, 2008, 2009. 2011-2013, famously made his debut against Manchester City, January signing from Monaco. Didn't start off the best alongside Nemanja Vidic, of course, but um, in the end, was superb, you have to say, and made up for it. And then some 278 games for, for um, Manchester United and West Ham across eight, nine years, and was at his time alongside Ashley Cole, for me, the best left-back in world football. Just says it all really. Number four, Engolo Kante. And 198 appearances at the time of recording. He's probably cracked 200 by the time um, this goes out. 
and 11 goals. 11 goals is a surprise, probably most of them against Man United in the league. Um, that's probably just me picking out the bad things from my own team there. And um, became a first player since a certain other player in this list a bit later on to win successive league titles in England, but with different clubs. He had only a year at Leicester, would you believe, but together with Danny Drinkwater, they stunned England, didn't they? 5,000 to 1 Premier League champions, Leicester City. Comes from humble surroundings in Ligue 2 and um, regional football in France and came out of nowhere really. One of the best signings in Premier League history, has to be said. Um, maybe a factor of him being overawed by Chelsea and then obviously before that, the European Championships for France, not a bit of it. Absolutely revolutionised his game as well. He, some people might lazily think he can just play the Makalele role, but in the past couple of years, under Thomas Tuchel, more pronounced um, of most in the Champions League, can play as a box-to-box, was probably kicker for Chelsea to then go and then go and win the Champions League this year. He's absolutely superb midfielder, risen sharply in the past five years to one of the best by position in the world. And if you want a want a, a six or an eight, Kante would be one of the first picks you would choose in world football for me. Number three, we promised him, the middle of the Arsenal midfield for that superb team. Patrick Vieira, of course, 307 appearances, 32 goals, predominantly known as a destroyer. But for me, he's a creative box-to-box player on his day. A player that would be put on this pedestal whenever Arsenal were currently in need and he's a player that, or rather a character that Arsenal need. He could just pretty much copy that sort of audio there for the last 10 seconds put it against any Arsenal performance that's roughly bad for the past 10 years since he left. Uh, he's one of their greatest captains. That's why people still pine for him playing or his character rather in an Arsenal team as it is now with the soft underbelly that they sometimes seem to be having or perceived to have. He's one of the greatest Premier League captains of all time as well. Certainly of his time, at least. He ended his career with Manchester City, helped end their trophyless drought as well. Obviously will be landmarked by his... Um, Rivalry with Roy Keane, which obviously is an extension of Manchester United versus Arsenal at the time, which was the biggest thing in English football and two of the biggest characters in Premier League history. We didn't know how spoilt we were, did we? Um, Fantastic player. Fantastic player. And number two, Eric Cantona. 156 appearances, 70 goals. Doesn't sound a ton, does it? 70 goals from 156 appearances, but what a player he was. Could score incredible goals. The lob against Sheffield United sublime volley against Liverpool in the cup final but what an instrumental player he was it's why whenever someone comes to Man United and they have about 10 good games when they're really like controlling everything I'm talking Bruno Fernandes here obviously extended that beyond 10 games we know that they get compared to Eric Cantona Bruno Fernandes has won no trophies at Man United. Eric Cantona dragged Manchester United to the double in 2004, dragged them even further to the double in 96. When Alan Hansen was proclaiming that you can't win anything with kids on in August 1995 and Eric Cantona still had six or seven weeks of his ban left to go when uh, Sir Alex Ferguson entrusted Cantona with um, returning to the club when it would have been so easy, like the French national team, to just ditch him. He knew that he could count on Cantona to return to the club in October 1995 and win them the league title and from 12 points back scores the equaliser against Liverpool in October 95 wins the league title I think they won five or six games 1-0 Cantona got the winner in almost all of them in the spring most notably against Newcastle and that was probably for me one of the 
if not the best performance by a single player in one season. Certainly up there. I mean, that was ridiculous. It, his ban really shows how much United missed him. The only season where Cantona played for United that United didn't win the league was the, the season that he was banned, which is mind-boggling. Obviously, the club was rocked by his retirement, early retirement in sort of 97. But he was, he was one of the most important players to a single team in um, Premier League history. Um, we know now from the, the Barclays series that we do on a Friday how important he was from tra- transforming to a, a goal-shy Manchester United in 1992 to the Champions in 93. His importance only grew with the double of 94 with the double of 96 and probably deserved to stay on for the treble, didn't he really? Um, yeah, what a player. Anyway, number one, of course, it had to be. It had to be him. Thierry Henry. 258 appearances, 175 goals. Arguably one of the greatest to do it in a Premier League. Never mind just a Frenchman in the Premier League. Probably will get overtaken by Harry Kane in terms of Premier League all-time goals this season, unless Harry Kane has an absolute stinker, which he's setting about to do. Um, And that will take Henri to seventh in the list with only players like Alan Shearer, Wayne Rooney, Andy Cole, Sergio Aguero, Frank Lampard, who have, to be fair, all of those have played the majority of their career, at least in the Premier League. Thierry Henry, for example, was here for seven years. That's less than half your average football career. That's that's just insane. He had a lovely rivalry with Rude Van Nistelrooy for the Golden Boot, which he invariably won. He won three on the bounce, I think, Golden Boots, which is just stupid numbers. It's absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. He scored incredible solo goals against Liverpool. I remember that on a bank holiday when he just absolutely skinned Jeremy Carragher. Did it against uh, Tottenham Hotspur and then off London Derby a couple of years before that. And then you've got the, the indescribable volley against Man United in 2000. The iconic Budweiser-inspired celebration by the bench. One of the absolute best players of his generation. One of those players that you just didn't mind when they played well against your team. It just the the elegance that he portrayed yeah he's a bit arrogant but I think you've got the perfect ratio of arrogance to ability there I mean remember that free kick against Wigan where he's asking the referees that enough oh, superb what a player he was um, for me one of the top five best players in the Premier League and I think it just does get forgotten that he's one of the best players of his generation I don't think that gets said enough now for all that everybody knows how good he was in front of goal he was whoop, he was one of the best goal scorers of his generation deserves to be number one on this list what a player. Um, can't say enough good about him, despite, obviously, Thierry Henry's pomp coming in when uh, United were, as I'm a United fan, sort of rivaling Arsenal for those titles, and he was just a player that you just love to watch, despite the rivalry, really, which is a hallmark of the player that he was. Next week, we'll be, we'll be ranking more fantastic footballers in the Premier League by nationality. So episode 45 next Tuesday will be the 20 greatest German footballers of all time in the Premier League. Make sure to stick around for that one. And thank you very much for listening. See you next week. Silly. Podcast Network.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.